I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. In today's episode, I am joined by Kelly Dean, who is a physical therapist and the owner of The Tummy Team. In today's episode, we discuss the importance of having a nice, strong core and a healthy functioning pelvic floor for optimal digestion and quality of life. In my practice, I see a lot of patients who struggle with things like constipation, straining during bowel movements, leaking when you sneeze or cough, you'll learn that this is not normal, painful urination, low back pain, pain during intimacy, And what you might be surprised to hear is that these symptoms are all related to the health of our pelvic floor and core. At the end of the episode, I can assure you that you will be motivated to start caring about your pelvic floor. Enjoy the episode. All right. So welcome, Kelly, to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. So just give a quick background um, for those of um, the listeners who aren't familiar with what it is that you do, like what your profession is, because I think this is an area where I know definitely in someone who specializes in digestive health, this is an area that is often overlooked and of course in many other areas of health as well. Yeah, well, I am a physical therapist. And I specialize in functional core and functional pelvic floor rehab. And I pretty much coined that term, functional core and functional pelvic floor rehab, because it's very different than what um, we learned in school and what most physical therapists do for um, this kind of rehab. So um, I specialize in the muscles of that wrap around your torso that support your organs and support your spine and the pelvic floor muscles that basically give the structure of the what we call the floor of your core and we do it in a functional way which means we focus on what those muscles were designed to do which is not how you look in a bathing suit but how they hold you up it's posture it's structure, it's support, it's stability, um, and it helps all the organs that are housed in those structures to function optimally. And so, you know, that's kind of my specialty and what I do. And I have a business called The Tummy Team that makes it really easy for people to understand. And I've been, I've been a physical therapist now for over 20, oh gosh, way, way over 20 years. Is it more like 30 years, maybe anywhere between 20 and 30 years. Let's not, let's not focus on those details. Um, (laughs) And I, for the first 10 years, I did brain injury stroke rehab, where I really focused on retraining muscles that have been damaged and neglected and retraining the brain to connect to those muscles. And then on my uh, motherhood journey, um, my core got really um, impacted And I had a separated abdominal wall, a diastasis recti, and that 
um, was part of my functional core weakness and functional pelvic floor weakness that caused a whole bunch of health issues. And on my journey to learn how to heal myself, that's how I um, created the tummy team and kind of shifted my focus into taking all that neuromuscular re-ed stuff into core and pelvic floor rehab. Wow. That's beautiful. I absolutely love hearing other practitioners who got into the field that they're in through their own personal experiences, because although I don't think it's necessary, I think it really helps the, any sort of clinician or practitioner really connect with a client when you have personally gone through something yourself and can sympathize and relate. And of course, invest, I think even more into, you know, helping your patients. So that's, that's a really, really great story to share. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't actually even intend to do this type of rehab. It kind of snowballed because my journey, um, I shared it with other moms and other women that were having similar experiences. And because I I had this um, training background, I was uniquely equipped to not only take um, my personal story and my training and kind of marry it together and help it started out with just friends and family. And one of my girlfriends said, Oh, it's like you have a little tummy team. And um, that's where the name came from. And then I just started helping more and more people. Um, and I started doing it in a clinic. And then I created online programs to help their friends that live in Alaska and Hawaii and Australia. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, a big snowball. But Amazing. yeah, it's, it's interesting how we get into things. And it's interesting, even just how you connected with me, because it's usually through people's stories, right? It's usually somebody had an experience and this helped them. And then you start going, oh, what what part is does that role play? Because um, if you think about what I just said, when I talked about the core, if the core is a group of muscles that support your organs, that includes your digestive organs right Mm -hmm. your your intestinal tract and um and your stomach and just how your body kind of processes food is all in that kind of housed in those muscles yeah absolutely and you know building a strong house I always think of like building a foundation to every aspect of your body is is the key to finding optimal wellness you can't have a house that is weak or damaged or you know, functioning improperly. Now you mentioned the core. So I think a lot of people, when they think of core, they think, okay, so I'll do ab exercises. Right. Um, but you mentioned the core is so much more than just what, what I would think of as like, Oh, okay. So I've got my, my abs, essentially the ab muscles. Yeah, this is a big portion of what I educate people. We have tons of resources just about educating people on their own body because I, and I think this is something we have in common, right? Because this is like you said, this is the only car. My body's the only car I get to drive my whole life. So I really need to know how it works. Right. I need to really not have to go to the mechanic every time I need to turn on the windshield wipers, so to speak, you know, like I need to know how it works. And as an owner of your body, you need to know the anatomy um, of how your muscles were designed and how they function. And there's a ton of misconceptions about the core because we are a fitness focused culture and we are uh, also very much a 
image focused culture. Mm. So it's all about how those muscles look. And, and that's what people think about when they think about the core, they think about crunches and planks and, you know, washboard stomachs. But if you think about it in terms of before we even invented exercise because we invented exercise because we are sedentary, right? Our body is a use it or lose it system. The more you use a muscle, the stronger it is. You neglect the muscle, the weaker it becomes and the more kind of atrophied it becomes. Your core is the, the group of muscles that wrap around your torso and pretty much connect what we call your pelvis, which is a bowl to your rib cage bowl. And when you think about the anatomy of your abdominals specifically, you have actually three layers. You have that outermost layer, the rectus abdominis, which people think about with washboard stomachs and crunches. It's the out, outermost, it starts from your, you know, your sternum all the way down to your pubic bone, and it kind of runs right down the center of your belly. And then underneath that, you have your obliques, which kind of come in at diagonals, and they rotate you and stabilize you. And a lot of people know those two sets of abdominals, because we do crunches and we do crossover crunches. But underneath those is a corset muscle that starts along your spine, wraps around, and connects to your lower six ribs all the way to your pubic bone. And it is like your God-given girdle. Mm -hmm. And that's called your transverse abdominis. That muscle is essential. That is the only muscle in your body that wraps all the way around the front, a back, or right and left in one muscle. No other muscle in your body does that. So it also connects to some muscles along your spine. And the top of it, the ceiling of this cylinder is your diaphragm. And the floor of the cylinder are your pelvic floor muscles, which there's a series of pelvic floor muscles too. Everybody thinks about the Kegel muscles down at the sphincters, but you've got those, those outermost muscles. Then you have a layer of diagonal muscles that stabilizes your pelvis when you walk and move and dance. And then you have a pelvic um, diaphragm that holds your organs up and in. And so your core is like a cylinder and how that cylinder activates the muscles of that core muscle actually draw in and lengthen you. Mm. So if everybody's listening right now, thinks about if, if, if you're sitting or standing either way, kind of, kind of get out of a slumped position and imagine a cable attached to the crown of your head, pulling you up that kind of elongating, pulling you up, that lengthened your body and probably pulled your core in. That's your transverse. That muscle is postural, respiratory, um, and it helps us breathe. It helps us cough, laugh, sing, and it connects the pelvis and the rib cage and stabilizes your spine and holds all your organs in place, right? And so when we even talk about pelvic floor, pelvic floor, the core has to come first because if the core is doing its job, it helps hold everything where it's supposed to be. If the core is deflated, like that disuse atrophy I talked about that use it or lose it and deflated and kind of weak, mm. a deflated balloon, then everything is loose and can drop down into the pelvic floor, which now makes what's supposed to be a trampoline down there more like a hammock. Mm. And we all visualize in our head the difference between the resiliency of a trampoline and the resiliency of a hammock. And personally, I want a trampoline for a pelvic floor, not a hammock. And so 
a lot of this is connected to if my pelvis and my rib cage are in kind of constantly round positions, like we're at computers or holding babies or sitting with, you know, kind of, you know, uh, have really protective posturing from bloating or some intestinal problem, and we're always in kind of that collapsed position, then that transverse abdominus never gets any feedback or how we do crunches. It puts us in that kind of what I call a kidney bean posture. Once you're in that kidney bean posture, your transverse can't act actually activate effectively. So then because of the use it or lose it, we're in postures all day long that cause us to neglect the most important muscle that holds all of our organs in place and stabilizes our spine and helps our pelvis and our rib cage to move. So my, my purpose or my you know, goal is to educate people on where that muscle is, help them get in alignments to connect to that muscle, and then as we start to rebuild that muscle, you'll start to see all these changes in people's overall health, in their pain level, in their back pain, in their intestinal tract function, in their reproductive function, in their respiratory, and in their stress level, because they are no longer like living through life as a jellyfish. They're more like a grounded oak tree. Mm. Um, and that's so, what, that's kind of, in a nutshell, the anatomy yeah, no, that's super helpful to kind of just understand like everything that's going on in the body. And I think the very clear response to should you just do ab exercises, the, the simple answer would be no. And, um, you know, I've seen plenty of people out there who have abs, but don't have a strong core, which, um, as you mentioned, is incredibly detrimental to overall health. Now, I want to talk about, um, you know, the strong connection between digestive issues or digestive function and um, kind of the pelvic floor. And what are some of the most common reasons that you see for having a weak core or pelvic floor dysfunction? So I would say that there's a lot in that question. So um, the most common causes of kind of a weak core and therefore a weak pelvic floor that can also result in digestive issues is um, pregnancy is one of them because the, the muscles of the abdominal wall can get very stretched out with pregnancy. And if they go into that mentality that I need to do abs, ab crunches and such, then they're working on just the external muscle and they never kind of get back that corset that holds everything in place. Mm -hmm. And it almost reinforces a muscle imbalance. We actually don't do any crunches or planks in our rehab process um, because it creates more of an imbalance that people already have. I, I think also um, sedentary, a lot of sitting in poor postures or a lot of standing in poor postures can create a weak core. Muscle imbalance, working out all of your external muscles, which is very common, the muscles you can see in the mirror and neglecting the internal stabilizers creates muscle weakness because our body will just go for the easiest path. It actually leads to a lot of pain that people have as well. Like you said, people can have abs and a weak core. They can be lean and have chronic back pain or chronic indigestion or digestive problems. So, and then the pelvic floor, um, if if you're, if you think in terms, if your corset wraps around and stabilizes your pelvis and your pelvis is the anchor for your legs to move when you walk and run and squat and move basically. And if the corset's not doing its job, then we have a lot of hypermobility in that pelvis. The pelvis moves in all these ways. So our body recruits another strategy, which is usually tightening up the muscles 
around and within the pelvis. Mm. And so we get to, we get tight hamstrings. We get really tight glute muscles. Now we have sciatica and we have low back pain. We have tight hip flexors and that causes these problems. So we have all these tight muscles um, because your movers of your legs are trying to be your stabilizers of your pelvis. Mm. And we need the stabilizers to be the stabilizers. And some of those um, muscles are internal pelvic floor muscles that are supposed to be um, supportive structural muscles, but not clenched and gripped. Mm. And if they, if your body is looking for any desperate strategy to hold you together, it'll recruit whatever it can find. And so sometimes we'll get a lot of clenching or a lot of neglect of this one muscle and over tightness of this. It's just a muscle imbalance situation. But if you go back to that design of that core, how it wraps around and it gives you this um, symmetry and stability, when we have that, then we can start releasing some of those other things, which allows for those muscles to do what they're supposed to do. Mm. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and you mentioned also like the use it or lose it type of situation. And so we're talking about muscle here, right? And so when I'm thinking from a nutrition perspective, and you know, I know you haven't mentioned this yet, but you had talked to me previously about how just advancing age, this these these muscles naturally atrophy. So for people that are listening, you know, what do we need to maintain muscle and build muscle? You need adequate nutrition. And so getting enough protein, getting enough of the right nutrients. Um, you know, I see a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction with people who have eating disorders or irritable bowel syndrome. Um, that seems to be very common. And if you think about it, um, and you can tell me if this kind of makes sense, because this is your expertise, but if someone's constipated, or they have chronic use of laxatives, for example, which is something I see a lot of, you're, you're asking the bowels to do things that it doesn't typically do, or you're trying to create some sort of force. And um, over time, I would imagine that if you're chronically using things like laxatives or chronically under fueling, then your bowels are not then doing what they're supposed to do. And then the point that you just mentioned, maybe recruiting other muscles, and then we see worsened digestive issues. Absolutely. I would say we see... Um we see a lot of different digestive issues that that's not often, it's not the reason people come, but when occasionally it is, um, but when they do come, it's one of the questions we ask um, is, do they have to bear down with bowel movements? Do they have regular bowel movements? Do they have to strain? Do they have um, irritable bowel where it's like, you know, um, kind of diarrhea, diarrhea, diarrhea uh, cramping, all of that stuff. So what I think about is the intestinal tract is a series of muscles too, soft muscle tissues, right? And they do a kind of contract, release, contract, release, paralysis to move stool through the intestines. Um, and and it, I think of it in terms of plumbing and plumbing does better with some support against it. Like if you had a hose and you put, you know, a nozzle on it, the water kind of has to go through a little bit more pressure to come out. And if there's not, if the hose is kind of cut at the end, it just kind of, you know, it, it's a, it's a different amount of pressure. I know this is a lot to think about when you're thinking about your bowels, but nope, um, what, what I tend to see is that um, 
because, and this is my, was my experience as well, as I didn't even realize that I had been constipated or having difficulty with bowel movements because my core was so weak um, until I started to strengthen it. And it almost one of the very first things that happened was kind of a colon cleanse situation mm. where my, my intestinal tract was so much better supported that now everything could kind of clear out. And I, I thought it was, had like a stomach bug or something at first until I started walking clients through this. And it's pretty common that whatever had been kind of backed up kind of releases mm. and, and allowed, because now not only is the muscle coming around and supporting, we're bringing a ton of blood flow in and blood flow brings in nutrients and just helps kind of this inert part of people's body. A lot of times this it's not their happy place. Their gut is not their belly's not their happy place, especially if they're very self-conscious about what it looks like. So there's a lot of neglect, which decreases blood flow to that area, which decreases the nutrition to the muscles that need to actually allow things to go through. Um, but the, the second thing, the second kind of byproduct of being backed up or constipated is the strategies that we use where we kind of hold our breath round and bear down, which pushes out on our abdominal wall, which is the opposite of helpful and pushes down on the trampoline, the pelvic floor and puts it in more of the hammock position. So when we have this in men and in women, where they're kind of doing a lot of bracing and bearing, bearing down, now it's actually perpetuating the core weakness because if we want our core to come around, lengthen and flatten and elongate, but we're on a daily basis pushing out and pushing down, we're sending the wrong message. Mm -hmm. um, and that can lead to prolapse issues and can lead to a lot of pelvic floor um, trauma because we're pushing. And you mentioned like chronic use of laxatives. That's also kind of just really asking a lot of those muscles to kind of just completely let go. Um, and, and what we've seen is as we, we retrain the core, one of the functions of the core and the pelvic floor is to support the bowels. And, and so we teach what we call potty posture that um, we weren't meant to go to the bathroom on the toilet. Um, we like plumbing, it's clean and convenient, but that's not the anatomy of our body functions better in a squatted position where it opens up our pelvis, it unkinks our um, lower intestinal tract. And then we teach people to elongate and draw their tummy in and let go of the pelvic floor. Don't push, but just let it release. And when it's in that kind of squatted open position and the core comes in, then the core kind of supports the intestinal tract and the pelvic floor lets go. So now we have this, this um, much healthier, you know, kind of exit of all that waste product. It helps you feel better. You don't have the bloating in your tummy. And a lot of things that people have connected to uh, nutrition issues have all, may have started as a nutritional issue, but has become a structural issue because of how they've been forced to use their body incorrectly. So, so that's one of the functions of the core. And if you're not doing it that way, you're using an inferior other process, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's my specialty, right? Digestive issues. So when I see clients, um, that's, you know, another area where I'm looking at, I think a lot of people are assuming, well, it's, if I'm having digestive issues, it's just about the food. And as you mentioned, structural comes into play, emotional 
comes into play. There, there's so many different aspects and, you know, you can go to your GI specialist, you can go to your psychiatrist, but, but having a holistic approach is, is key. So having a team approach. And I think that's really great to highlight now other symptoms. So what about things like libido? What about things like urinary frequency or infrequency or, um, you know, what are some of the most common like symptoms that you see or, um, things that people complain of when they have pelvic floor weakness? So there's kind of three, it seems to be three areas, mostly, well, four, four areas of pelvic floor dysfunction that we see. And some of these things may seem so common that people kind of ignore them um, and don't think of them. Um, so the first one is uh, stress incontinence or any kind of urine or bowel incontinence, which means leaking, going to the bathroom when you don't mean to, um, whether that's when you cough, when you sneeze, when you jump, or if it's just when, when you laugh or randomly, or you can't, you, or urgent calls, you need to go to the bathroom and you have to go real quick. Like you can't wait bowel or bladder. Um, there's a lot of different things involved in this, but typically um, it starts out real minor and it gets ignored because, oh, everybody you know, pees when they laugh or whatever, pees after they had a baby or whatever. It's ignored until it becomes more significant. Mm -hmm. And um, the structures of the pelvic floor hold the bladder where it should be, hold the rectum where it should be. And so when they are not being able to do those things, then that often the, you know, everything drops down and it makes it very difficult. That, that kind of leads to the second thing is prolapse. Um, if people have um, where either the rectum or the bladder or the uterus kind of drops down into the vaginal canal, um, this happens for lots of reasons, but it's weak structures and a lot of, a lot of bearing down weight, holding weight, poor pelvic alignment. Constipation is the number one cause of most prolapse or number one contributing factor that we can take like that um, because there's so much extra pressure and then they're bearing down on these weaker structures. Mm -hmm. um, and then intimacy, um, pain with intimacy, um, all kinds of pain that could happen. And some of that has to do with um, some muscles are too tight trying to, to hold. Um, some of it is a lot of disconnect because intimacy is actually pleasurable when there's blood flow and swelling to the tissues. Mm. But if there's no blood flow or swelling to those tissues, then because, um, because we're disconnected or we're self-conscious or previous pain or pain from some other part of our body, then, then the intercourse then makes you know, contributes to pain. And then we get a muscle memory cycle of pain mm. with intimacy. And then the last one is just pelvic pain, tailbone pain or pubic bone pain or internal hip pain. And a lot of that is coming from those um, muscles that are overactive as stabilizers because something else isn't, been, isn't doing their job. And they're in a chronic poor alignment where it's forcing that muscle to do more work than it was intended to do. And it's screaming, help me, help me. And that's what pain usually is. Wow. So all of those things are a part of pelvic floor. And you can see how some of those things, people are like, oh, you know, they, they kind of can ignore some of those things, but they're all signs, just like almost everything, pelvic floor specifically, the sooner you address the issue, the easier it is to address, but it becomes neglected. 
And then we have, we have secondary compensation patterns that we have to kind of slowly roll back from. Hmm. Now you mentioned the squatty potty. Is that right? The squatty potty, or you're a fan of that? I'm a big fan of the squatty potty or anything like that. It doesn't have to be a squatty potty. You could use like little yoga blocks or anything. I like the squatty potty because it's easy to clean and it slips underneath your toilet and you just pull out when you need it. And for my pregnant clients, it puts your feet wide enough that your belly can be in front. (laughs) That's awesome. I need to invest in one of those. I am very fortunate to not have digestive issues anymore, but I think it would be, I feel like just naturally the way you, you just explained how it really supports the body's natural kind of exiting process. I love getting new toys. I think that would be really fun to experiment with. Um, now you, it's, those things that people were like oh no and then they'll use it and they're like oh my gosh you don't even realize um (laughs) how much you maybe should be pooping (laughs) and when you have the squatty potty it's just like yeah it really facilitates um things to to work very smoothly well, I, I did a I did a post on TikTok a few months ago and it was like a silly little like what should your bowel movements look like? And I said it should be about the length of your forearm. And this video went viral because people were like, What? The length of your forearm? Are you kidding me? And I was like, I was about to show them like a picture of my stool like the next morning because people were like yeah, good joke. Like, and I'm like, no, seriously, that's what a healthy bowel movement looks like. It should be about the length of your forearm. Right. I, I remember when I first introduced squatty potties into our family, um, my son was a teenager and he was like, Oh mom, what new gadget you have. And I went into this whole spiel of like, you know, in the garden of Eden, we squat it, you know, that's how our body was designed. There were no toilets and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, wait a second, I'm going to videotape you telling me this. So, you know, he could embarrass me later, but, um, and he was very reluctant. Um, but then after he used it, he was like, Oh my goodness, that was unbelievable. (laughs) You know? And it's, it's one of those things where you don't, if, if you look at, and Squatty Potty has some really good, actually, information on their website. Um, if you look at the way the lower part of your intestinal tract naturally has a muscle that wraps around and kind of kinks it mm. so we don't poop our pants when we don't want to, right? It's like a little muscle that kind of wraps around and kinks that. That muscle only get, gets released when we're in a squatted position. It releases that muscle. So now you don't have to push through that kink. And so it lines everything up and it really does allow things to move very smoothly. So and anybody that's listening is probably like, they know that feeling when you have like a complete bowel movement, which is probably not regular for a lot of people. I know in my right. practice, most people are not having regular bowel movements where like, I just got off with a client this afternoon and she was like, wow, like having a normal bowel movement and feeling like you completely empty is just like something that people are accustomed to just being okay with not having. And you don't know what you're missing. You don't know the impact it has on your health. Mm -hmm. And I know this, this could be like a really comical conversation that people could be listening to. Right. But there's a reason that it's considered waste products. You know, it's because it needs to get out. And when it stays in, it feels toxic. You feel bloated. You feel, um, you don't have the same energy level. 
there's just a lot of stuff that you, you realize um, once it's better, how much you were dealing with when it wasn't great. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's funny to listen to, but at the same time, like it's just because people don't talk about it. And that's why I have this podcast is to get people uncomfortable and talking about like topics that typically aren't talked about, because like you said, it's such an important part of their health. And, you know, that's, it's, there's a little kid book called everybody poops. I love you ever seen. Yes, I have. I'm like, when I have, (laughs) that would be the first book, the first book my children (laughs) read. (laughs) It's just one of those things. And I, the other thing I would challenge anybody that's listening, um, to think about is one thing that I say, when I say, I don't want you to sit on the toilet round and push your belly out instinctively when you pee or have a bowel movement I want you to think about can I elongate and draw my tummy and and kind of shh and draw my tummy in naturally you'll feel your pelvic floor close and you'll think I can't go to the bathroom like this because there's this natural co-contraction between your core and your pelvic floor Mm -hmm. they they are intended 99% of the time to work together where the core comes in and the pelvic floor lifts up to its trampoline position But the two times in your life that you need it to disassociate because it's two different groups of muscles is for bowel movements and for birth. Mm. And so we work on the coordination of that where the core comes in and then you let go of the pelvic floor without bulging the pelvic, the core to bulge the pelvic floor. So you let in and then relax the pelvic floor. And sometimes people have to start this with peeing because it's an easier feedback of drawing the tummy in. Can I still pee and have my tummy in? If you can, you've got that disassociation. Mm. Um, For bowel movements, now you're in this kind of hopefully partially squatted position, supported squat, tummy in, then letting go. Um, And I think the next time you're go to the bathroom, they're going to start thinking, I do not have the connection or coordination to do what she's talking about. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it really is like a brain teaser, but that tells you that your body's been using this other strategy. And even how we see people push babies out on TV where they, they round up, hold their breath, bear down. And you know, that is not how we need to push babies out. That is not working with how your body works. It's not as traumatizing as it looks. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Well, there's a reason they're screaming and traumatized because that's not actually supporting how your body allows the uterus to push the baby out. So if the Mm. uterus is pushing the baby out, then the transverse needs to hug and align and support the uterus in the best position. And the pelvic floor needs to open and let go. And if you've never done that, learning how to do it in the middle of birth is not the best time. But if we train you how to do that every time you have a bowel movement, you already have this muscle memory. So in the intensity of pushing a much bigger thing out of your pelvic floor, you at least have that same connection and coordination that you've already been using. So that's the other thing we teach. Okay. So birth. So this is, I mean, like, let's just get into that. I mean, I am eventually going to have, let's use me as an example. I eventually want to have kids one day. Um, I have a weak core, let's say. And um, now at what point do you, do you interfere? Like, would I start doing pelvic floor exercises before birth before, like, should I, where do you do it? Do you do it in recovery? Like, what does that look like? 
Okay, great question. And the first thing I'm going to have everybody think about is it's less about exercises and it's more about um, connection, alignment, and coordination. Because go back to what are the purpose of these muscles? Your core is postural in nature and your pelvic floor is structural and supportive and respiratory. Your, your diaphragm and your pelvic floor kind of mirror each other. They move at like kind of similar to each other, okay? So we are very, uh, how many exercises, how many kegels, how many crunches do I do? But I want to encourage people to think of it completely differently and think about what you could be doing right now is working on long, lean, and lifted alignments. I just felt my back nine, when I did that. Yeah. You, you, I saw you change your position. Mm-hmm. And ooh, and you. if I tell you right now to sit on the edge of your seat, kind of, kind of shift your weight so you're right on your sit bones, sit on the edge of your seat, no back support, feet firmly on the floor and think about that, that cable drawing you up. Okay. This is what we call active sitting. All right. You're not going to be able to maintain it very long without feeling fatigued. Most likely. I feel like I can breathe more easily. Like I feel like I can breathe. Oh, because we just opened up your lungs. Yeah. We opened, made room for your diaphragm and everything kind of lifts up, But, but this takes functional strength to have good posture. And when we can use that posture and how you sit, stand, and then let's say you're lifting, whether you're lifting weights, you're lifting groceries, you're moving furniture, you're vacuuming the floor. Every time your body strains, you, you learn how to engage and hug and support your, your spine with a breath. So it's like a shh, I exhale and I draw everything in so that I think about the Uh, we talk about it as a belly breath, but it's really more than that. It's actually when we take a breath, we allow the muscles to expand a little bit, but on the exhale, I want you to visualize zipping up from the pubic bone up to your sternum. Like you're zipping up a really snug pair of like mom jeans. So you take a breath and then you zip up on that exhale. When you draw everything up and in kind of hugs your body you feel a little lightning in your pelvic floor. There's no clenching, no squeezing down there, but a lift of the trampoline. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing you could be doing right now. Okay. Working on that connection because it, if we think we're a use it or lose it system, you want and whatever you do the most is going to win. It's not a, a matter of squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. It's not a squeeze toy down there. Um, it's not a matter of crunch, crunch, crunch. You're already crunched all day long on your computer and sitting in your car and doing all the things you're doing, looking at your phone, right? It's a matter of elongating, hugging your core and lifting and lightening everything so that you're in the right alignment and the muscles of your core are stabilizing and supporting those organs. So the muscles of your legs and your arms can do their job. Mm. Okay. That was a really helpful exercise. Now, say I just had a baby and, you know, I just produced a human and that came out of places where are absolutely terrifying. So how do you, you know, in terms of rehabbing some, yeah, can you tell I'm terrified to have kids? We're, I'm nowhere near that stage, but I'm just using me as an example. Um, so now 
post baby? Like how do people kind of come back from that? And is it important that they start doing this activation exercise or is it usually more than that? I know you mentioned that, that situation, which I know is very common where there's that separation. I forget what you, what it's called again. Diaphysis recti. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So ideally I would love to work with, with women before they even get pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, getting connected and aware and, and not, not buying into like just the crunchy exercises, trying to get that balance. And then during pregnancy, we have a process because your body changes of, of kind of supporting the core as it's expanding and supporting the pelvic floor and getting that connection and coordination for bowel movements and ultimately for pushing the baby out so that, you know, our goal is to have a minimally, you know, traumatic birth experience, like a habit to have just a, like a natural organic birth experience. Um, so that birth recovery is better. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're connected to these muscles, even after they've been stretched out, you have a muscle memory to them. Mm-hmm. That's going to be far easier. And then, um, we, we do, uh, we do a series of, um, everything starts with proper alignment and newborn, parenting postures consume mama's day. So we look at how they're sitting when they're feeding the baby, how they're um, using a changing table, not bending over the floor or hunching over to change the baby, but upright, how they're getting in and out of bed, how they're carrying the car seat, how they're doing the things that are going to consume most of your day because this is functional. Mm -hmm. And then we do that activation exercise. We implement that throughout the day. We also are big fans of abdominal splinting postpartum to kind of support the core as you're rehabbing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we work on building up that connection and coordination as they, like, there's a lot of physical demands of motherhood without even putting fitness on top of it. So we look at being strong for the physical demands of motherhood. And then as they transition into wanting to exercise or wanting to do other things, we have this smooth transition into that connection too. Okay. I've been taking several mental notes and I'm over here on the edge of my chair, activating my muscles as you're telling me all of this. Uh, This is super helpful. And I think, like I mentioned, this is a, this is an approach that I also take. I love how you mentioned ideally, You'd have people doing these things before pregnancy. So it's the same with, you know, from a nutrition perspective is address these things, you know, make sure you're eating enough of the right foods, get enough protein, um, make sure that you're supporting your body's overall health, supporting your digestion, not under fueling, um, and, and just, you know, getting, getting at that issue before it even comes up so that you don't end up in a place where you're just treating a, a condition or a diagnosis. Well, I think that um, there's people kind of falter on the two sides. One that, you know, people have babies all the day, all the time. You know, I don't have to worry about it. It's just going to happen. And like kind of this, um, you know, I I don't want to say ignorance, but it's kind of ignorance like that. This is a major transformation. And maybe this is often the most demanding physical experience of your life. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't just go to a marathon without any kind of training. Right. So like me, and it's like nothing you've ever done. It's not an athletic event. Um, it's not something you can power through. It's very unique. So, so they're, they either falter on that side or maybe on your side where they're, they've heard a lot of scary situations and they're terrified 
And so kind of a really afraid or kind of head in the sand, like, uh, I don't know, but I feel like there's a really beautiful place in the middle mm-hmm. where we um, educate ourselves, we become aware, we um, give ourselves tools and strategies, um, and we learn what the body needs to do this really amazing thing and to not just focus just on the birth, but focus on how strong I want to be as a mother. And I I think that it's kind of like, I, I, I compare it to, you know, we could spend a lot of time having a beautiful wedding, but I think we should also think about doing some premarital counseling. So we have a really great marriage, (laughs) right? Because you could have a beautiful wedding and have a really difficult marriage. Mm -hmm. You could have a really, you know, focus all all your energy on uh, this type of birth you want to have, but not prepare yourself to be the mother you want to be to that child you've been dreaming of. Mm -hmm. And so really thinking about that, I want to set the stage for me to be uh, emotionally, physically um, present for my, my, family and my child and how would I set the stage for that mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's Kate possible and that's what we help you do that's beautiful and back to the point of purpose right so you you initially started off talking about you know the the external physique that a lot of people strive to have and we focus on our muscle definition and washboard abs and I mean I'm only 28 years old so I am not saying that I've had all these crazy life experiences, but I know that over time, my physical appearance, especially wanting to have, uh, you know, an unrealistic, ideal, lean body based on what social media says is less important to me as I, you know, connect with my purpose in life and how I want to show up. And I think that's a really great point to tap into the listeners of, you know, think purposefully when you are designing your health goals and, you know, it's okay to want to look a certain way. I I always say that to clients, like you shouldn't feel guilty for wanting to look a certain way, but at what cost does that take sometimes? If that means that you are then losing strength to allow you to show up better in life, if you're losing strength or under fueling in a way that doesn't allow you to have healthy digestion and, you know, naturally detox your body, then what, at what cost are we trying to achieve that? And so coming back to purpose, I think is really, really important. Yeah. One of, one of the things that we talk about a lot at the tummy team is we don't do before and after pictures. We aren't about a lot of people come to us because they have a belly because they have a diastasis or a weak core and their belly does flatten and they're there's, they get core strength and it, they do change what their body looks like, but that is not our focus ever. Our focus is on how are you going to feel and how are you going to function? So how do you feel and what are you capable of mm-hmm. and what do you want to be capable of? And, and, and priorities shift what I was capable of and what I was, what, what my priorities were when I was 27, before I started having my kids and how much I could dedicate my time to that. It's very different than what it is now when I'm almost 49, you know, and I still want to be fit and strong and active and engaged and purposeful, but I also want to be involved in my family's life and in the things, other things that bring me joy as well. So you find that balance. Um, and I think that 
most because the voices of how you look are so loud. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the time, if we can just present another voice and say, and give people permission to embrace the differences in their body and, and set goals that are beyond weight, pant size and physique, like aesthetics, you know, and more about like, I want to be able to, you know, do this thing or feel this way or mm. feel confident in my skin or feel myself again, or not feel sluggish and, and yucky because my intestinal tract is really not working well. It's things we don't even know that they're messing with us until we, you know, give it back to people and they go, oh my gosh, how was I living with that for so long? Mm -hmm. So yeah. And with my I clients, I, I see a common theme of, you know, people when they get to me, they're usually in a place where they've tried a lot of different things and they are willing to trade a physical appearance for the way that they feel in certain ways. And so that's, it's a really important point. Like you might think that looking a certain way might create happiness, or if I'm this, then I'll be happy, or then someone will love me. And I mean, show me a case where that's been true. I would love to see it. And someone's been truly authentic when they speak it, but there is no body or, you know, specific physique that will equal what it is that you are trying to attract in life. I agree. And, and I feel like, um, one of the things, um, it, it comes down to self-worth and it comes down to some self-care. And I, I think that, um, self-care, sometimes people are punishing themselves or beating their bodies into submission a little bit. Um, and I, I really want people to think about how, nurturing type movements, nurturing themselves, um, and really thinking of ways to nurture their best version of themselves out. Mm -hmm. And, and in that way, self-care, whether it's eating better, drinking better, um, standing better, you know, sitting better, connecting to your body in, in new ways, you know, really honoring your body type and respecting its, you know, strengths and its limitations, you know, kind of getting to that whole um, kind of place for people, I think is really, it's really important for them to, to know that that's kind of valuable, that you are investing in your best version of yourself. And that is, the most selfless thing you can do. I want to show up for my kids with my best version of myself, for my husband with my best version of myself. And that has little to do with how I look mm -hmm. and much more about how I feel. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Now, speaking of ways that they can, you know, focus on those things, I know you mentioned you have a you've got seven courses, they're online courses, and um, you have a sale coming up on those in celebration of your 49th birthday. Happy birthday. And um, so where can people find um, that course? And can you just give like a brief overview of what the, uh, the discount is? Sure. 
So, so first of all, I never want anybody to feel like any kind of pressure to buy anything from me. Um, if you go to our website, it's thetummyteam.com or you look at us up on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, The Tummy Team. There's a ton of free resources. There's a ton of education and free options for you to get a really good understanding of what we do and what, and we give you a lot of things to get started. So um, I want people to always know that that's the, uh, the first thing is just explore and see what's there. We do offer online programs. We have, like you said, seven different online programs. Some of them are prenatal, some of them are um, not, but we, I would say that our core foundations program or our floor of your core or our men's core foundations for men program. um, Those are our kind of, solid, not pregnancy related courses to really um, restore the core, relieve pain and kind of reclaim yourself. And we do talk about intestinal stuff in there, but we talk about so much more. And um, the on on January 22nd is my birthday and it's 40, all of those courses are 49% off. And that's a killer deal yeah it's a killer deal um it's the biggest sale of the year and it's only one day so everybody gets to celebrate when I get older um makes it fun for all of us (laughs) and um and the the prices will be discounted on the store so um you just go to the tummy team and and you can kind of read about the programs there's actually some sample videos so you can kind of get an idea of how I teach and um what it looks like and and read some reviews and stuff like that. So you feel really comfortable about your choices. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for the free resources. And um, hopefully if people feel like they are interested in more, they can connect on there and feel if it's a good fit. Now, the last and final question is what is your favorite childhood memory with food? I have lots of good memories with food. Um, I'm Italian. So I come from a big Italian family and my um, great, great grandmother came over from Italy um, and she makes our made the spadolini sauce. That's my main name, spadolini, the spadolini sauce. And um, I remember learning how to make it with my grandma and then making it with my dad Um, and I, we had it for Christmas this year. Um, and so this sauce is really special. Um, and it, you know, we usually do the sauce in some kind of stuff shells or something like that, but the spadolini sauce is always, um, something that, and I, I just started teaching my girls how to make it this year. Wow. I, my sister is married to an Italian and they are, you know, all about making their own sauce. So I am not from an Italian family, but I definitely have felt the importance of a homemade sauce and the appreciation of it. So that's yes, a, it cooks for a day. Yeah. It cooks wow. all day. And the, the meat that's in it kind of like falls apart. Oh, oh my gosh. So <laughs> oh, is it dinner time yet? It's only 4.30 here. Um, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, again, for coming on and just sharing your expertise and highlighting an underserved and I think not talked about aspect of overall health, but especially digestive health. And hopefully the listeners feel like they have another tool in their toolbox to explore if they're looking to improve their health. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Well, I will definitely be talking to you soon. Okay, great. 
All right. Bye, Kelly. Bye. If you are interested in working one-on-one with me to improve your digestion and get to the root cause of why you aren't reaching your health goals, go to nutritionrewired.com where you can also find my gut healing guide and my other cookbook, Rewire Your Sweet Tooth. Thanks again for tuning in and don't forget to share the health.